0: Mayo, I think you would just owe me an apology for targeted harassment on social media. <laughs> I mean, you've thrown some questionable photos in the
1: album art of me for several episodes, so I think it's give and take, you know?
0: For the record, my pronunciation of Tatooine, <laughs> Tatone, as I like to call it, <laughs> was based purely on just... Spelling. ignorance And spelling. Ignorance yeah. and spelling. Because I have never... I have seen one star wars movie i think maybe two about 10 years ago didn't stick with me didn't enjoy it really watched it because i was with friends who wanted to watch it ne- haven't thought about star wars again since then so i apologize for my pronunciation problem i don't think the targeted harassment on social media was justified but uh, come on, I, saw you post, I saw you post it i saw you it on twitter and nobody <laughs> it didn't really get much engagement i I saw it and then meant to engage with you and forgot about it. Then you posted it on Threads and I engaged with it and then just everybody saw it because I have right, so many okay, more so followers this is actually, uh, I forgot about this angle. Threads isn't very good at posting videos.
1: That is true. Like I literally posted it the exact same time on Twitter and Threads and it just didn't ne- never appeared on Threads. Yeah, I saw it like the next day on Threads. Yeah, because I thought I'd done it. And then when I <laughs> went to look or whatever, I was like, wait, it didn't actually post. And this has happened multiple times. Like when you when you're posting like a gallery of pictures or like a video, like bigger file sizes. I don't know what's going on, but it just doesn't appear sometimes. I have to do it again. Did you
0: post it from the web or your phone? Uh, the phone, I think. Because I have tried to post videos from like the web interface, and it never works. Yeah, it doesn't work on the web either.
1: Don't don't ask me why or I because also I've just noticed in general that when you press like tweet versus post. I know it's not officially tweet anymore but like Twitter is yeah. good at like immediately posting right Yeah threads you get a, a loading spinner for a long time even for just text <laughs> so like I don't know what's going on there but somewhere in their pipeline they need to sort it out a bit because yeah that that the the shame would have been shared concurrently on both platforms if the tech stack of threads was working properly
0: instead we got it a day later but everyone loved it I figured you were just like slow dripping the shame to help like boost the numbers of our podcast or something. I was doing um, the-
1: doing social media optimization, you know. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. tried out a few different, two different tags, but yeah, people loved it. And hopefully we got a few new listeners as well. So <laughs> everyone's mistake is for good. There was one time quite early in the show when I was doing it with Zach and I said like some British idiom, like kettle of fish or something. People love that as well.
0: That was a big, that was a big that was a big flare-up. but That was like... some big ago At this point. Yeah. <laughs> I will offer this to the listeners. I will watch an episode of Star Wars... Or a Star Wars movie in Vision Pro in the Tatooine environment in the Disney Plus app. And I will report back on whether I enjoyed it or whether I didn't. And I'm guessing I really won't like it, but I'll give it a shot. Just... For, for complete transparency,
1: I watched Star Wars. I like it, but yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like super, super fan or anything. But... I can not pronounce Tatooine on first go.
0: Someone on Threads, uh, Stephen Robles said that we should watch all nine of them together Ooh. in Vision Pro. There's nine Star Wars movies? I thought there was well, like six. Nine, nine mainline
1: Star Wars movies. And then there's more now. There right? was like four, five, and six in like the 80s and 90s. Then there were the prequels, which is one, two, and three in like the early 2000s. And then since 2015, they did another trilogy, which is seven, eight, nine. But then you can also go like outside of the official line of star wars and there's like rogue one and some other you know smaller ones on the side as well
0: there's a tv show too isn't oh, there's multiple tv shows yeah is they there? love they
1: love whacking out the tv shows mandalorian's <laughs> good um book of boba fett is awful and there's some other ones in between ahsoka came out recently that's not too bad and there's another one coming out soon but look star wars keeps going <laughs> but the the i think when most people say star wars they mean the original yeah trilogy which is confusingly numbered four five six
0: well, speaking of Disney Plus, you have some follow-up about the environments in Disney Plus and how that relates to the rest of Vision OS. Yeah, so last episode, right around the uh, <laughs> the time you pronounced it wrong. <laughs> so you're going to blame me.
1: Yeah, Apple and Disney obviously worked together on some kind of like private API to make the environment work for Disney where you can, you know, be inside of Tatooine or on Tatone. the various environments they have inside the Disney Plus app. There's a Mickey Mouse one as well, right? There's a few different options. Um that's not actually the case. So to make an environment like that when you're inside a single application you don't need any special special privileges or special access so apple may have worked with disney to like make it happen but they don't there's no like private api sharing going on there's nothing that no other app could theoretically do because basically all they're doing is you've got the disney plus window and then the disney plus app is spawning an immersive space at the same time which is no different to like a game that could be you know 360 degrees right or the um the night sky app, you know, the app where you like shine your iPhone at the sky and it like mm-hmm. puts the constellations on it, right? They're doing a Vision Pro version of that. Uh, same difference, right? You can just go into an immersive space mode, which fully encompasses your environment, just like the native like meditation app on Vision OS, right, the stock version. So basically, all that Disney's doing is they're they're when you choose the environment on the left hand side, uh, it's launching a lowercase e environment in this immersive space. It has nothing to do with the system environments feature which is why when you go outside of the Disney app, there's no access to Tatooine or anything else. Hopefully, in a future Vision OS version, you know, two or three or something, they can make like a plug-in architecture where apps can contribute to the system spaces because it'd be cool if you could, you know, download an app and then move across, just like you can have, you know, custom widgets or whatever else um, on the iPhone. Uh, But at least on Vision OS 1, that's that's nothing to do with it, so if someone if netflix did want to make a vision os app they could also make their own you know stranger things environments and stuff to watch to watch it to watch the theater inside
0: iphone 16 so that's coming later this year which feels weird to say a couple of rumors over the past few weeks first off jeff pooh says that the iphone 16 and 16 plus will get more ram so he says those phones will feature eight gigabytes of ram matching the current 15 pro and 15 pro max so eight gigabytes of RAM across the board for the entire iPhone 16 lineup. Yeah, so the, the 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 eight gigabytes will match, and the Pros aren't getting higher again
1: this year, so they'll stay at the right. same eight gigabytes according to Poo.
0: Do you think that could be have something to do with spatial video of some sort? Yeah, maybe. The rumor uh, is that oh, spatial uh, video will be on the lower end phones too.
1: Yes, uh, although I think they could probably do that with lower RAM. Um, I think what's probably happening is because uh, obviously with the iPhone 15 lineup, they had diversification, right? So you had the A17 Pro and then the lower end chips on A16. Uh, the current expectation is that for iPhone 16, all of the phones will run some variant of an A18 oh, architecture right. chip. And they might still brand it like A18, A18 Pro, but one will probably mm-hmm. just be like a um, binning version of the other one, you know, with less core count or whatever. And in that situation, they're just skewing it so the RAM's the same. And ultimately, RAM doesn't cost Apple very much, right? Like, so they can keep it the same. And then maybe if there are some features, I I think more than the spatial video stuff on device, like AI, machine learning kind of things. RAM Mm -hmm. is always super critical there. And so if they're trying to future proof a bit, future proof, then getting everything on eight gigs and in the future even more uh, is beneficial. So that'd be my kind of speculation there. But I think eight, with 8 on the 15s, it's pretty solid. Uh, yeah. Like back when I had the iPhone 11 Pro, the RAM on there, like you open the camera app and like all your other apps would close in the background. It was kind of <laughs> awful. The 14s, decent. um, And then obviously the 15 is slightly more. So that's the best. So I was happy to see that news.
0: Then also for the entire iPhone 16 lineup, we've heard about this so-called capture button, which is apparently going on the right side of the phone, kind of where the millimeter wave antenna is on the phones in the United States anyway. The information says that this button will be mechanical, so not capacitive. So you press and the button actually moves. But it also says that you'll be able to adjust zooming in or zooming out by swiping across the button and the button will respond to pressure sensitivity. So you press softly, and it'll focus the camera. And press firm all the way down, and it'll capture a picture. Which
1: is how traditional cameras often work. They right. are like a two-step yeah. press. Um, you can see how in the you know back in the few years ago, Apple was planning to go to all capacitive buttons on the phone, and then you know gestures and pushing in and force detection. Were more you know, naturally fall out of that because the button needs to be because it's not a physical pushing in button. But mm-hmm. that and that was originally going to start with the iPhone 15 last year, right? Like with the action button, obviously, that didn't happen, it's a physical button. Um, but you can kind of see the gestural uh DNA in it because to use the button, you have to hold it down, right? I was like, think that's maybe somewhere that came yeah. from, yeah. Uh, but with this, they're gonna supposedly add another button on the phone. Uh, and it will still be physical, but the button itself will be like capacitive, I guess. So you can like swipe your finger across it to do some gestures. And then obviously it's got the two press hold uh, to focus the camera and then actually take the picture separately. Uh, this it sounds pretty cool. Um, and maybe in the long future, they can make the buttons like, you know, touch sensitive buttons, you know, non- no moving parts. Yeah. But obviously that isn't happening. For the fifteen, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be happening for the sixteen either. Uh, the the scrolling to like zoom and stuff sounds pretty interesting as well. Uh, but at least right now, everything that's talked about is like it's only for photos. So the camera is obviously going to be a big emphasis for the sixteen Pro series because they're going to be like, we got this whole dedicated button that you can press to immediately open the camera. And for the and I think with the action button, if you're not using it for ring silent, probably the next most use action is opening the camera, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so now if you have another button, which is just for the camera, it then opens up the action button again to be something else. So it's kind of equivalent to when they just had USB-C ports on the laptops and they added MagSafe along with USB-C, right? You're getting like one additional port kind of. It's kind of that on the phone where you know all the people out there right now who use the action button to open the camera, if they upgrade to the 16 series or the 16 Pro series, they'll um, now have... Another button that they can assign any action to as well as having camera on a dedicated uh, press and also the button itself will be better positioned for taking photos because the action button depending on how you like hold the phone you might cover the camera lenses right because it's closer to that yeah. edge whereas by putting it on the bottom right side that's away from the camera module in the diagonally opposite corner so you can take the picture without worrying about it obscuring the lenses
0: The capture button will be in the same place as the camera button on the smart battery case was, I think. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So throwback there. When the first capture button rumors kind of came out, I didn't understand the point of why we needed this button. But now that we know, like, you'll be able to swipe and the pressure sensitivity and all of that, it sounds a lot more useful. Because when we've talked about this a few times where the action button is really hard to figure out what you want to use it for. And using it for the camera makes a lot of sense, but you also can access the camera from the lock screen by either pressing the camera button on the lock screen or just swiping to the side. But having a dedicated camera button that can do more than just launch the camera app and take a picture sounds infinitely more useful than assigning the action button just to open the camera app. So I'm more excited about the capture button now than I was at first. And this is just kind of a weird thing, but like... You know, imagine five years ago,
1: you tried to tell someone that Apple Apple's going to add
0: two buttons two to the buttons. iPhone. You know, like uh, <laughs> the action button only kind of counts because it's cause they replaced the switch. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but Apple was definitely not the company five years ago that would want to add more buttons to the thing. Uh,
0: but five years ago, the iPhone, you told somebody the iPhone would have multiple but- new buttons. The MacBook Pro would have an SD card slot, HDMI again. Yeah. Apple would be selling a version of a Mac desktop with USB A ports. Crazy times we live in. Yeah,
1: I mean, especially with the Capture button on the phone, assuming it does come to pass, which it probably will. Like that feels really like something that Johnny Ive wouldn't have done, you know? Like yeah. this feels like a post-Johnny design. But on the laptops, I think putting the the ports back was less significant in my head just because, you know, Apple has shipped laptops before with those ports and they were just kind of bringing it back after people yeah. got mad about it and so i think that kind of stuff could have easily been like joining i've approved or you know under his regime uh but putting in a, actually adding a physical button to the phone feels like something he would never touch or go anywhere near uh because he was more he was always on the argument of stripping down and pushing back even to the extreme right and so adding a whole extra button is just something i don't think was ever going to be on the radar uh but he's not there anymore different design team more priority towards functionality rather than just you know elegance so here it goes i'll take it and there's also rumors obviously that the 16 pro camera system will just be getting some significant upgrades in general better lenses etc etc so that kind of ties into you know the camera focus happy hour this week is sponsored by nomnom Nom. get 50% off your no risk 2 week trial at trinom.com/happyhour when your dog isn't feeling their food you can't always tell but when they love their meals, you know it. From a peppy step to a healthy coat, and that's what happens when you switch to Nomnom. Nom. Feed your dog real good food with Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion that is personalised to your dog's needs. Nom, Nom food is made with real, wholesome ingredients that you can see and recognise without any additives or fillers that contribute to things like bloating and low energy. Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. Their nutrients-packed recipes are designed by and nutritionists, freshly made, and shipped free to your door. Now Chance, you have two
0: dogs, so how do you and they like Nom Nom? Yes, Blake and Ruby are my two best friends. I love them to death. But I think they might love their new Nom Nom food more than they love me. I'm a little bit worried about that. <laughs> and I had this realization too recently that Blake and Ruby are starting to get older Blake turned seven a couple weeks ago, and Ruby turns seven in July. As they get older, we're starting to, you know, keep a closer eye on their nutrition and their weight. They don't do as much as they used to do, so you have to make sure you're watching their diet so they don't gain weight and get sick. And Nom Nom is just great for that. You get everything is personalized and proportioned exactly for your dog's weight. So. Blake and Ruby know exactly how much food they're going to get every day. And I know exactly how much to feed them. Everything's made fresh. Blake and Ruby, I think, I think if you ask them if they could talk, if they could come on this podcast and talk to the wonderful Benjamin Mayo, <laughs> they would give Nom Nom five out of five stars, a bunch of tail wags, the Blake and Ruby seal of approval. Nom Nom has already delivered
1: over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours. So join them. Today. Plus, NomNom Nom comes with a money back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, NomNom Nom will refund your first order. So go right now for 50% off your no risk two week trial at trynomcom happy hour. That's spelled T R Y N O M dot slash happy hour for 50% off. Thanks to NomNom Nom for sponsoring the show.
0: So I mentioned last week that after my Vision Pro experience in New York City, I went over to Dearborn, Michigan for something at the time I couldn't talk about, but now I can tell you that it was for a Ford event at Ford's world headquarters. Going into the event, I, all I knew was that it was going to be about Ford's n- new in-car digital experience. So in the year 2024, when a car company is talking about launching their own digital experience... I get a little bit worried. I think, oh, God, they're getting rid of CarPlay. They're going to make their own software that's awful. Not as good as CarPlay. The specter of General Motors comes into your head. Yes, I see. I see General Motors logos go in each of my eyes. <laughs> and when I walked into the room that of the Ford event, it's very different than an Apple event or other tech event where it's, there's no screens really to speak of. It's just like big posters on the walls showing you everything that's new. So I'm looking around and I don't see any mention of CarPlay. I see Ford's new interface for their in-car system. I start to get really, really nervous. And Ford starts introducing their new in-car platform. And it's, oh, it's got all these apps and you can download apps from the Google Play Store. It's built on Android Automotive. It's got Alexa built in. It's got Google Assistant built in. You can play Asphalt 9 Racing. Then thankfully, they say the words, we are still very committed to our relationship and partnership with Apple, and CarPlay will continue to be an option. And basically, their focus is on making CarPlay, making their implementation of CarPlay the best implementation possible. So one of the ways they're doing this with this new in-car system is they're actually adding support for dual-screen CarPlay for Apple Maps. I think we talked about this a couple months ago when I drove a Polestar that had this dual-screen Apple Maps implementation. It's not next-gen CarPlay, but it puts the Apple Maps interface on the instrument cluster screen behind your steering wheel. Or in the case of this, this, Lincoln, this Lincoln car that Ford had its software running on, it puts it like in the middle of this gigantic panoramic screen. And it's a really good implementation of CarPlay, even though I wish they would have done next generation CarPlay. But more than anything, I'm kind of just happy that even though all the signs were pointing in the opposite direction, Ford is still seemingly, at least they say for now, committed to CarPlay. It doesn't seem It doesn't seem like we'll get much good CarPlay news nowadays. <laughs> like you have GM abandoning CarPlay, Tesla and Rivian repeatedly saying they have no plans to adopt carplay next generation carplay was basically missing in action for like 18 months no word from apple then we do get some news and it's coming to some ultra expensive aston martin and porsche cars so this ford announcement's like a i don't know just a little glimmer of hope a minor vote of confidence very minor yeah what we're really waiting for is a
1: mainstream manufacturer to announce next gen carplay support right And that's what I
0: was really hoping this Ford thing was going to be.
1: Yeah, because Ford have been pretty good with CarPlay adoption. Like, they used to have it in their um, infotainment systems, you know, like four years ago or whatever. And it was like a really nice version of it with wireless CarPlay and uh, nice big screen and stuff. So they've been pretty on the edge. Yeah. of feature adoption in general like mm-hmm. my mum's car was a ford and it had the not the fully map rendered behind the instrument cluster but like the next direction right so it would show you at least when you're navigating it would show like the arrow and then the miles to go and stuff um which not all cars do when they're using carplay uh but the 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 dual screen experience like what they're announcing today was theoretically possible in like 2021 or something like it's not a branding feature but i, I think it's 2019 yeah was it 2019 even jesus yeah so um yeah so at least they um they're doing that. Everything CarPlay related takes a long time. Apple announces a feature. Then you wait. Then you keep waiting. And then a the manufacturer's like, we'll be doing this on our next generation <laughs> of cars. And then you wait another year and then finally it ships. Uh, so it, it all takes a long time eventually to get there. But I like CarPlay. CarPlay's great. We spoke about this show before how I can understand the motivations of Car Manufacturers to yeah. venture out on their own. Um, but at least in the sh- near term, we you know CarPlay is pretty good. So, continued support there is nice. And I think, you know, if you ask Apple, they would say they had that stat, which is like 80% of new car buyers have like CarPlay mm-hmm. as like one of the top three requests or whatever for buying a new car, which is kind of insane. Uh, so, at least Ford's still there for now.
0: I got to talk to a couple of our old friends, uh, Doug Field from Apple, who, what he was Mac hardware for a while, then Apple Car, then Tesla. Then back to Apple, and now he's at Ford. He's there. I think he's like the VP of EV engineering or something like that. Then I talked to your best friend, Mayo, <laughs> Peter Stern, the old vice president of services at Apple.
1: It was going to take Q's job eventually, but decided to leave for Ford. Yeah.
0: That was only like last year too, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. yep. recently. Not but too yeah, long both very nice, very nice people, and both of them. You know, I asked about Next Generation CarPlay, and they were both oh, uh, we don't talk about future product plans. And I was like, yeah, you guys both worked at Apple. You know the PR <laughs> lines, you know. They've got uh, down pat, yeah. I'm surprised you're even willing to talk to somebody from 9to5Mac. But yeah, And they all did. Everybody I talked to did reiterate the CarPlay commitment, even though they wouldn't talk about next-gen CarPlay. On the other spectrum of Apple Car news, Bloomberg says that Apple has once again made the decision to delay the release of its Project Titan electric car project. So what was the expectation? The most recent update we'd heard was 2026. Yeah, And now Bloomberg is saying 2028 with significantly scaled back self-driving features. Basically what Bloomberg says is a level two self-driving system similar to Tesla's autopilot system. You'll remember that Apple's first goal was to ship a car without Without steering without a steering wheel and without pedals, I think. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is quite a
1: quite a setback. Yeah, I mean the the rumour is in like twenty fifteen, Tim Cook and Johnny Ive had this like prototype where they sat in this like van where it was like four chairs facing each other and <laughs> video screens showed them like quote unquote self driving down the road as like a amorphous voice, i.e. Siri was directing them and telling them what to do and they were enjoying entertainment. And that's, like, the origins of the Project Titan designs. But that was, you know, 2015. And in the intervening time, Apple has spent hundreds of millions of dollars a year on this thing. They've got a huge auto- self-driving team working on self-autonomous technology. They've also got a huge... And they also, for a while, had a huge, like, hardware team developing parts for the car. Like, for a while, they were experimenting with, you know, just basically using a platform from an existing manufacturer. Um, and then you know, maybe Foxconn or a European manufacturer, like white labeling some other people's cars. And then for a while, they were like designing their own parts, like drivetrains and batteries and, you know, seat belts and like everything. So it's gone, it's, they've really pushed the spectrum out in terms of R&D. But, you know, we're almost 10 years in and they still don't seem very close to any sort of tangible product because the way Bloomberg describes it is they were constantly distracted by this vision of, you know, heavily autonomous driving vehicle around 2019 2020 the plans were like okay the car's gonna have a steering wheel but it's still gonna be able to drive itself you know blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and again a few more years went by people left including doug field right? a huge turnover in 2020 the end of 2021 kevin lynch was given the head lead on the project he used to do the apple watch and that was seen as like the last stand for like getting the thing done right in terms of actually getting a car together But I mean that was September 2021, and now we're in 2024, and Bloomberg says that only now are they really like clamping down on a singular vision. Bloomberg says, despite all of the R and D work, they still haven't actually made like a general prototype of the of a final vehicle in all this time. So you can see the kind of man the man the dysfunction in management there, um, because you know it's a ten year project and they didn't even get to a prototype compare that to like the apple vision pro that was also a 10-year project but they had prototypes since like 2019 that were like on track to ship originally in 22 and then it you know slipped a couple of bits and then it came out you know comes out literally in like a week uh the car is not on such a good trajectory uh and so now it seems like in 2023 i.e last year uh cook was facing pressure from apple's board to like you know, do or die the Project Titan system. Like get some decisive action there. And what they seem to have landed on is they're gonna ship an electric car in hopefully 2028. Uh who knows whether that'll also delay and you know release dates always slip. Yeah. Uh, but the 2028 car design has no almost no ambitions for like full self driving. It's essentially the same kind of autonomous driving capabilities you see in other in other electric cars, you know, Tesla and others now. Uh you know adaptive cues adaptive cruise control, lane switching, automatic centering, that kind of thing. But as a level 2 system, it still requires you know the the driver to be hands on the steering wheel, fully attentive, ready to take over at any time. Originally Apple was aiming for like a level four system uh, which would allow no driver in the in, in the in the driving seat at all and the car could drive itself on highways and roads and city and big cities and stuff. But all of that's out the window at least for the 2028 20, target. The twenty eight target is basically just a ship an electric vehicle that everybody already knows, but it's the Apple take on it in terms of car design, software, etc.
0: One of the things Bloomberg says in the report is that some Apple employees are basically wondering why Apple's doing this and saying, especially now with the scaled back self-driving ambitions, that it's just a, a me too product. And I kind of think they're right at this point. If Apple's plans are to release a car in 2028 that matches what is currently on the road in 2024. They're basically just going to endlessly be playing catch-up. They're endlessly going to be years behind other car makers who are shipping... I mean, right now, Tesla's only level 2 self-driving. or
1: I mean, to be fair, they've been saying they're going to ship level 4 exactly, yeah. since 2018, but they haven't. So uh, they also have ambitious timelines. Yeah.
0: I don't understand... Why Apple feels the need to enter the car industry, especially if, by all indications, they started off very, very bold, which is good, and then slowly they've just been like pulling, pulling away piece by piece. Okay, we won't have this, we won't have that, and now here we are with a 2028 release date and a car that sounds
1: not very exciting.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. like every other EV on the market.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like the autonomous driving plan. As we understand it, I always thought, okay, that makes kind of it's kind of insane, right? That they like had this ambition, but they must have had some indication they were going to deliver right. something along those lines. It wasn't just out of no, out of thin air. um And maybe they are close internally; they're just not quite there, you know. And it, that's always why it's, it's like maybe it was like twenty twenty one, and they were like, you know, if we just do this for one more year, we think we're going to make it. And then one more year went by, and obviously it didn't happen. um Like if that was the plan, and they were going to ship like a. I think, I think the steering wheel design was always pie in the sky, but, like, a, a design where you could still have, like, a traditional car, but you could literally not drive, like, hands off the wheel and it wouldn't beep at you after 15 seconds. Like, that kind of system was, you know, that's what everyone's aiming for, right? That's what all these car companies want to do. Uh, and Apple thought they could do it at one stage, and now they can't. And now the the stripped-back plans don't sound very differentiated. That's the that's the situation, right? Right. Like, with everything else that Apple's done so far... You can kind of feel the the reason why they could contribute something, even like the the Apple Vision Pro, right? Like, I think out of all of Apple's products that have come before it, the Vision Pro is the least um, different, right? Like, it's basically just like what if Meta made a headset that was twice as expensive and twice as spec'd out, right? Like, just in raw hardware, it's not like they haven't done anything in the Apple Vision Pro that is technologically different to. Yeah. A standard AR via headset design. It's the same concept, right? It's just done well. But they bring, obviously, design chops, but they also bring a massive software ecosystem alongside them. Like the whole, the the fact that it's based on iOS is a huge advantage in terms of the app ecosystem, the frameworks, the experiences you can drive inside the headset. Like, and you also have the custom chips, which allow them to get it in all in this like thin and light enclosure, you know, relatively thin and light enclosure uh, with. More iteration to come, obviously. Vision Pro is only the first version, so you can kind of see the trajectory there. And eventually, the vision, something like a vision headset, can probably replace the iPhone. You know, in the long future, once it gets smaller and mobile and has a longer battery, right? You can see it fully replacing the iPhone capabilities. The car, I guess, you could maybe argue they can offer a better operating system than what other manufacturers do today. But Mm, yeah, it just feels less clear cut right and maybe there's like a just a sunk cost fallacy going on where they spent so much money on it for the last 10 years that they're like well we can't just give up entirely i guess we'll just ship an electric car like i ho- you hope that's not the motivation but at some point right. yeah, money does play a factor and apple has a lot of money but also they spent a lot of money on this project titan project like billions easily um tens of billions probably so it's like at some point they're like well we'll just ship a car but the excitement for it is not there for me right now, right? No. Like, no. I I think there's maybe some cool stuff they maybe can do, like, you know, overlaying on the on the windscreen with, like, AR kind of directions stuff. I'm still kind of surprised other manufacturers haven't gone down that route more. And maybe Apple can deliver some of that kind of stuff. But based on what German describes in this report this week, it's like,
0: if they just make a Tesla with an Apple logo on it, does it really... It doesn't really float my boat you know the autonomous stuff too is more interesting just to have another player in that market other than tesla because tesla talks a lot of game and they make claims that they can't hold up and they don't really have anybody kind of holding their feet to the fire to say okay you have this but our system is better the closest is like
1: waymo right which does autonomous driving in a couple of cities and but he's more than level
0: two in those cities to be fair And like Ford has Ford Blue Cruise, but they're not trying to do all of the things Tesla full self-driving is trying to do.
1: I mean, some of them were in like 2020 kind of time, and then
0: they kind of scaled it back. Yeah. So
1: I guess the Apple position is what other manufacturers just did four years ago, you know, like, because you you ask, you ask, you ask all the major car manufacturers in 2020, they're all saying, well, they're going to do autonomous driving by like 2025, right? And all those things kind of slipped away.
0: Uh, Elon Musk said that my Tesla would be able to go out and pick people up and drive them around town and make money for me while I sat at home <laughs> still waiting on that one I don't you
1: know one day it might but certainly not next week. not anytime soon and I mean with the Apple car thing like obviously they're gonna keep working on the autonomous driving stuff they're not giving up on that side of it and you know who knows maybe by if a car shipped in 2028 they suddenly realize well in 2030 we can actually ship full self-driving so then Maybe we can just do like a software update on the cars and then they can all drive themselves, right? Like maybe that's what they're going for. But at least right now, the 22.8 revision doesn't sound like it's going to set the world on fire, to be honest.
0: There was another story this week too, where Rivian hired uh, Jonas Rank is his name. He's worked at Apple for about five years and he's worked on, I'm pulling up his LinkedIn now to remember his exact title because it was interesting, but he's worked on a lot of CarPlay stuff, Apple Maps EV routing you remember the thing and i think it's mercedes-benz or porsche where you can get spatial audio mercedes-benz spatial audio in the car mm. he worked on that yeah he was head of product mobility and automotive services at apple until this month and now he's at rivian as their vice president of product management apparently going to be leading or helping lead rivian's launch of its r2 and r3 platforms so like the I think Rivian has said R two is basically their version of the model, the Tesla Model Three. Seems like a big departure from Apple for a company that's making a car that will compete head on with Rivian. But it's also just like one of what feels like millions of departures from people working on Apple Car. It's just another one to add onto the list. Yeah, I mean, take take like Peter Stern is like
1: a perfect example, right? Like yeah, he's working at one of the like you know the top five companies in the world i.e apple and they are literally making a car and he decides that the best thing for his career is to go and join ford like still kind of blows my mind but that kind of maybe speaks to the the feelings of project titan insight internally right like a lot of a lot of employees have given up on the idea you know given up on it being like this big thing because it's taken 10 years and they still haven't really got anywhere or had anything significant to show for it so
0: nothing will help me will ever help justify the Peter Stern thing to me. That just seems weird. Yeah. That doesn't seem tied to Project Titan. He built basically, I don't know, he had it made at Apple. He was good. If he, were, if he stayed, he was going to be Eddie Cue's replacement 100%. He,
1: he literally drove Apple services from 2016 and it has gone through the roof. And a lot of that landed on him. Uh, I, I still kind of befuddles me that he left. But the fact that he did leave for Ford, right? It's just like... yeah. It's a car company. Apple's literally making a car. But, you know, in his head, they, he wasn't interested in whatever Apple was doing. He, was, he feels like there's more exciting things to do over at Ford. So I think that speaks a lot, you know. Actions speak louder than words. And he, that was a pretty big action. Yeah. Happy Hour This Week is also sponsored by We Got Your Mac. We Got Your Mac is a new podcast that helps business insiders navigate the ever-changing world of using Mac in the workplace. Go to wegotyourmac.com or search We Got Your Mac wherever you get your podcasts. Remember those iconic Apple ads of the mid-2000s? I'm a Mac and I'm a PC. Well, those ads harken back to simpler times. The debate of Mac versus PC rages on in the enterprise. And while Windows still dominates today, some analysts predict that the Mac will be the dominant business endpoint by 2030. Each episode of We Got Your Mac, a new podcast from SHI explores deployment of Mac in the workplace. From debunking security myths to attracting talent and overcoming adoption pains, you'll discover the up and downs of delivering Mac at scale. New episodes drop every two weeks, featuring interviews with experts at Apple, SHI, and from around the C-suite. So what are you waiting for? Make 2024 the year you put an end to the Mac versus PC question in your business. So to tune in, Go to wegotyourmac.com or search We Got Your Mac wherever you get your podcasts. Search for We Got Your Mac in your podcast player of choice today. Thanks again to We Got Your Mac for sponsoring the
0: show. Mayo, you had a little scoop this week. Apple Music is officially going to start paying 10% higher royalties to artists who make their songs available in spatial audio. The key part about this, I think, is that the per the listener, doesn't have to listen to the spatial mm. audio version of the song. The artist gets the higher royalty just by having their song, or their album, or whatever available in spatial audio, even if the person who sh- makes the stream is listening to the the standard version.
1: Yeah. So if you're if if you're an artist and you release a new album and it's available in spatial audio even if 100% of the people that listen to that album on Apple Music are just listening through normal headphones and don't use the spatial version, you still get the 10% bonus. So basically, the normal royalty you get from plays, like, you know, all streaming is based on plays, mm-hmm. and that's how the compensation is split out. Well, the, fact, the the multiplication factor for non-spatial available tracks is 1. If you have a spatial available track, it's 1.1. So basically, you get a 10% bonus. And obviously, it's encouraging... Uh, all the artists inside of Apple Music to adopt Apple's technology and Apple's been pushing spatial audio for a long time and... They seem to think it delivers a lot of positive results and there's not much more way that they can push it than giving people money, right? Like (laughs) the fact that Apple's given a financial bonus here is very significant. They say it's to reward the artists for joining them on this journey and also to account for the fact that mixing in, you know, spatial audio Atmos formats does cost more, right? You need more production, more work, more effort in the studio um, to get a final result. When I post this article, some people were worried that like, an artist, like, maliciously would just upload a track that's like all mono, but it's mm. quote unquote in Derby Atmos, right? So they just get the bonus without doing any work. Apple does say they're like monitoring for cases of that kind of abuse and they will, you know, obviously act if they find it. This, you can imagine why they would do that because they literally have to pay out money here. So they'll be, you know, they'll be policing it to make sure there's not abuse cases. It It's the less, it's not the direct, like, malicious cases it's the cases where people make spatial audio versions but they just don't sound very good that are the question mark right like i think if you get spatial audio done well you get some w Atmos music done well it does sound really good but you can also mix and spatial and it sounds not so good it sounds mushed together the vocals sound like blur yeah. compared to the the drums or whatever and I don't think Apple's going to be like doing quality assessment, right? It's just like, have you actually done? Have you actually separated the instruments and put things in the right places in in the volume? Uh, Here's your money. If not, then you're not getting the money. Uh, In terms of the higher bar for quality, that's more subjective, and that will just come over time, I guess, with education and as producers and artists get better about making it in this format. Um, I also think there's probably a bit more Apple could do from the software side to like counterbalance the poor mixes and like make them sound better by default. Uh, but that's how it stands today i mean clearly apple's all in on spatial audio like it's a huge selling point for airpods headphones you know airpods pro airpods max Uh, obviously the vision pro really benefits from having sound appear like it's coming from all around you if you have an apple tv you can do it's over the surround sound of the speaker system if you've got one like you know apple's all in and it still remains a competitive advantage to spotify which you know, we're in 2024 now and they still don't have a premium tier that offers, like, Atmos and Lossless. And here's Apple saying, you know, we've got millions and millions of tracks in Spatial Audio for you to enjoy. That you know, the uh, Apple said the number of songs available in Spatial has increased nearly 5,000% since the feature launched in 2021, with that number yeah. more than doubling in the last year alone. So, you know, clearly they're evangelizing and getting people on board and the financial bonus will do that even faster.
0: There was, when John Mayer released his newest album, Sobrock, it was available on apple music in spatial audio when it came out at first then there were a bunch of threads on the john mayer subreddit of people complaining about how bad the spatial audio and dolby atmos mix was so i guess he ended up saying that he removed the spatial audio mix from apple music altogether went into the studio himself and mixed it and then re-released it something that he thought sounded quite a bit better I thought that was interesting. Like, was he not involved in the creation of the first spatial audio mix? Cause he seemed to suggest that he wasn't and that he also didn't like what got released on Apple music. I, I wonder how there's the artist component of this. And then there's the label component of this. Yeah. I wonder how much the artist is involved in the spatial audio mix. I'm sure it varies like from artist to artist, but with there now being a, f- a financial incentive to make spatial audio mixes, labels are obviously going to want to put the money and the time in to invest in making them but if the artist doesn't like what the label comes up with there's going to be an interesting dynamic there
1: yeah and we've seen some of that play out like already in the Mayer case i think what happened was when apple was launching space in 2021 they went and evangelized to all the labels right to be like we want to have a mm-hmm. big launch here get some stuff on board and so you know labels uh do what they do and they made it happen right whether it was in the best way or just the way to get the spatial audio symbol on the tracks because they knew apple was going to promote it or whatnot and then since then as the awareness around surround sound audio and surround sound music has has increased the artists are getting more wary to it and thinking about it and actually having more involvement there and some artists all along have been like you know they take care of everything. Other people are just like, we sing the songs or, you know, we come up with the songs and we do it and then we leave it to producers to make the output. And the producers are learning, everybody's learning. Um, And even Apple has improved the rendering of spatial audio in its Mm -hmm. audio pipeline across several OS releases now. So like everybody's, I think they might've launched it slightly prematurely in 21, right? Because you did have some pretty bad cases that have negatively impacted people's perception of it. But if it's done right, it does sound good.
0: Um, And obviously Apple's continued to double down on it. The feature that a lot of people seem to hate is the spatialized stereo thing, Yes, (laughs) which I don't disagree. That's pretty awkward.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just like an algorithm spreading out artificially. It's not great.
0: All right. Should we talk about the Apple Watch ban now, Mayo? Some long awaited follow up. The latest
1: in the saga.
0: Yep. I think where we left off, we were kind of just at a standstill where the Series 9 and the Ultra 2 were available from Apple, with blood oxygen features. We knew there were a couple deadlines coming. The first deadline we were waiting on was a decision from U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, who were reviewing whether Apple's proposed redesign of the Series 9 and Ultra 2 fell outside of the scope of the ITC's decision that the blood oxygen feature infringed on two patents from Massimo. The U.S. Customs Agency came back and said, Apple, you're in the clear, you're all good with this redesign. Then we found out that the redesigned Series 9 and Ultra 2, the redesign was just to remove the blood oxygen feature altogether. So then that didn't affect anything right away because we were still waiting on the decision from a U.S. appeals court to decide on Apple's request to pause the Apple Watch ban indefinitely while Apple appealed the initial ITC ruling. So that decision came back and the appeals court rejected Apple's request and gave basically a 24-hour heads-up that the Apple Watch ban would be going back into effect. Then Apple came in, issued a statement saying that they would continue selling the Series 9 and Ultra 2, but would sell them without the blood oxygen feature whatsoever. So that's where we are right now. You can buy the Series 9 and Ultra 2, but you won't get the, the blood oxygen app or feature And I don't really think we know what comes next. Apple has said the appeal of the ITC ruling could take, I think, over a year. Yep. I would think that there's some sort of middle ground that's going to be reached before we have a year go by where these features aren't available.
1: Maybe, maybe not, though. Mm. To be clear, it's disabled based on the part number of the model sold. So if you have an Apple Watch today that has blood oxygen, it doesn't go anywhere. And this is only in the United States. So. And it's only in the U.S., yeah. Although I presume Massimo can yeah,
0: use their leverage of the court success and take it elsewhere globally. Like, I don't know how the patents... Because this is all based around the United States patent system, which I think is notoriously bad. I don't know how patents work in other countries. Yeah, elsewhere,
1: yeah. But theoretically, I guess if they're yeah. in a patent, they can go after it elsewhere. But uh, um, at least right now it's U.S. only. And the status quo is the Apple Watch Series 9 Ultra 2 remain on sale, asterisk, without one of the features. I said this was going to happen. This is the outcome you predicted all along. Yeah. This is my prediction. And uh, I said the, f- the watches would go off sale for a little while and then they come back either you know fully functioning or with the feature disabled. And that's basically what happened, right? Because they were not available yeah. for like six days. Then Apple... F- did a little legal trick where they applied for an appeal and they were allowed to resell them while the appeal was going on for that one week or whatever on getting a stay. Stay was denied. Apple Watch is quote-unquote gone, but then it's back again because they disabled the feature. Um, And then eventually, if they do get to a resolution, they can just change the thing in software and everybody's hardware will start working again, right? Because the hardware that's shipping has the, the sensor inside it is just disabled at a software level um so in the long term there's an easy solution here right when they find when they either reach a settlement or they reach an agreement or it, the patents get overturned they can just turn it back on and everyone's happy um but it's the it's the period before that happens that remains in doubt i kind of feel like apple's in it for the long haul right they seem to not like the patents they don't seem to have been talking to massimo about settlements so i think they're just going to hang out and. What I said before Christmas, and I think what I still kind of stand by is that out of all the features on the Apple Watch, the pulse oximeter, blood oxygen reading, is not the most critical part. It's not what's selling watches. It doesn't even have big health impacts to most people. You know, asterisk. Obviously, everything helps some people, but I don't think it's like a big deal to be honest. Like I'll just use my own experience. I bought a series right, my Series Four I had before didn't have blood oxygen at all. Right, mm-hmm. bought the Series Nine in September. Got the watch, opened the blood oxygen app the first time I bought it. It said 99%, 98%, or whatever. I closed the (laughs) app and I never thought about it ever again. Like, yeah. And yes, it is doing readings in the background. And if it did get really low, I would get an alert and it would help me out or whatever. But like, I don't think it's so essential that they're going to, that Apple's going to like kowtow and just, because I feel like if you settle right now, it's like the worst position for the leverage. Like, the best time to get the leverage done was probably like before christmas or something so like the, the fact they've waited out to this point i feel like right now the settlement lands in massimo's court more than apple's court would like if i was massimo right now i wouldn't really have much incentive to make a deal you know unless it was at the terms that i originally wanted before which apple's already rejected right so uh, in my head i feel like this is how it's going to be for you know a year until the itc ruling
0: comes down the thing about waiting the year for the ruling too is Apple, by all indications, Apple is the one in the wrong here. Well, Even, Apple says it isn't. Well, obviously, Apple says <laughs> well, yeah, it isn't. yeah, but you know, I
1: mean, that be that position, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah
0: it's just, I would assume that Apple internally knows, Apple's lawyers know what they're going up against and all of the evidence that's going against it in this case. That's kind of why I think, I don't know if they'll wait it out the entire year just when the likely outcome from the appeal is that they come back and say, yeah, you infringed on these patents, like Appeal denied. What's the outcome there? What? How does that work out in Apple's favour? Well, I think they think there's a decent chance they're going to get them overturned. But they're not that oblivious, are they? They got 15 of them
1: overturned, right? Like they Yeah, got, that's true. They went from 17 to 2, so, like, I mean, <laughs> they got rid of 50. They've only got two to sort out. <laughs> like, Yeah. I have to imagine that the lawyers did the work and they were like, you know, we've got a decent shot here of getting them cancelled, either legitimately or illegitimately, you know? And... That's how it stands. Like this is the court system, right? Like Massimo thinks one thing, Apple thinks one thing. It gets dealt out in court, so they're going for it. If they did, like the only way I can see this getting settled earlier is if Massimo offers them like a cheap break to license it, but they don't seem very keen on doing that. And if you were Massimo and you'd already got your competitors' watches, you know, have the software removed, I feel like you'd be you'd be standing there steadfast, waiting for them to pay up. If you want me to guess right now, I
0: think it's going to. Wait until the ITC appeal comes out, and nothing's going to change between now and then. I so think I think you could
1: see the Series Ten come out, and it still has the option selector table. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think they're working on a, a different redesign of the sensor itself? Yeah, possibly.
1: Yeah, that could be going on. Whether that be ready
0: for this fall, though, is a question. Like, they also could be working on a software redesign. That's actually a redesign to the feature, not just turning the feature off you know changing how the algorithms work yeah i mean massimo's position is it would require
1: hardware changes not just software changes so like right now the only way they get away with it with software is by just turning off the hardware thing altogether Mm -hmm. um but maybe apple has other plans there
0: and they can think of a different way to make it work like i just something tells me that we did not that we posted this story last week on january 17th and that there's not going to be a single development in this case until the appeal of the ITC ruling is finalized, which Apple again says will be a year. I don't think everybody's just going to sit around on their hands and wait. I think Apple
1: might be working on different hardware, different sensor, yeah. but it's already January, right? Like you'd have to, be, unless they were already working on it like last year or something, like it might not be ready for series 10, you know? That's true. Or yeah. It might be done and dusted, so... Uh, right now, I'm expecting the Series 10 to come out in September and it will have no
0: blood oxygen sensor. Well, your your bets have been accurate so far. So. I
1: just don't think it's that, like... It's just it's not, not the that deal. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't affect the iPhone, which is <laughs> a huge yeah, point, right? Like, if it affected the iPhone, it'd be different. But even on the iPhone, if it was a blood oxygen sensor on the iPhone and then it stopped working, I, I really, it's, it doesn't have the same pressures. Like, the Qualcomm case, Apple has to sell because it's about the modem, right, in the phone. They don't really have a choice there. Although in the background they're still working on alternatives, right? But they had to settle the court cases, whatever, back in twenty seventeen, because the Intel solution died off. Uh, here they can just be like, well, the feature's gone. And I believe right now, like, if you get a watch with it disabled, it still has the blood oxygen app on the home screen. It just when yep. you click on it, it says it doesn't work. Like if you want it tells something you to, to go change close up, yeah, if you want something to change um in between the intervening time, they might make the blood oxygen icon disappear.
0: You're probably right. This is lawyers being lawyers. And I just think anything logical that you think might happen or should happen probably won't happen because this is lawyers and big companies fighting over billions and billions and billions of dollars. If they don't settle within like the next month, I don't think they'll settle for the whole year. We'll see. Like I said, you're, I would take, I would back up any bet you make right now. You're. You clearly understand how lawyers work. I mean, uh, uh, uh,
1: <laughs> there's some fluke involved, but like, yeah. normally it comes down to the price, right? Like, if Massimo only offered a cent per unit, Apple would just pay it and get on with their lives. But uh, yeah, I think they're wanting a lot more than that, and Apple believes that they don't, they shouldn't need to pay it. So here we are.
0: Speaking of legal drama, things Apple doesn't want to pay, things Apple doesn't want to do, they have revised the App Store guidelines in the United States to let developers. Link out to alternative payment methods. So this is part. This is the one one of two changes Apple had to make in response to the Epic Games court case from twenty twenty one. And how do you, how how should we describe it? Apple is doing it, kicking and screaming. Well, it's exactly the same as what they did for the Netherlands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So an app can link out to alternative payment methods, provided that they also offer purchases through Apple's own in-app purchase system. And Apple will still take a commission of 27% or 12% for developers who are in the small business program. The commission applies to all purchases made within seven days after a user taps on the external purchase link.
1: To go to the website,
0: yeah. To go to the website, yeah. So if Mayo is subscri- – or if I am subscribing to, to Daily Dictionary and I use an external link inside the Daily Dictionary app, Mayo, you would then have to give Apple – 12 percent or 27 percent of what you made for my sale compared to
1: 30 percent or 15 percent if it was done inside the app using in-app purchase right so three percent that's ignoring all the additional costs that you have by (laughs) doing it directly like if you use stripe they charge you three percent right so (laughs) you're back up to 30 yeah yeah so financially it's not a great calculation
0: then apple says that developers will be required to provide the accounting of out of app purchases and then pay Apple those commissions. The real the real kicker of Apple's announcement here, I think, is where Apple says it has the right to audit developers accounting to ensure compliance with their commission obligations and to charge interest and offset payments. Which is also true in the Netherlands case, by the way. Which is yeah. And Literally all surprised. the terms are
1: identical. Yeah. And, and sorry, the one thing we should also mention before you click on the link to the website, you oh, get a yeah. nice big full screen dialogue with like size 40 title font that goes over <laughs> like six lines and another paragraph beneath and a scary button that says continue, right? Basically
0: saying like, you're going outside the Apple world and don't you dare. You're about to go put, to put an external website. Apple is not responsible for the privacy or security of the purchases made on the web, blah, blah, blah. Apple can't verify any of this information. Yeah. Basically, yeah. if you click this link, you might die. I wasn't surprised in the slightest about this. No. Right, the
1: the only reason it hadn't happened when the court ruled it in 2021 was that Apple was doing the appeal, right? And then finally the Supreme yeah. Court said we're not accepting your appeal. And Epic was also because it remember it was like a 10 count case in 21 and Apple won like 9 out of the 10 counts. So Epic was appealing the nine judges' judgments and Apple was appealing the one. The Supreme Court like dismissed all of it. So basically the judge ruling from 2021 stands. Um, and that meant Apple had to do it. So they wrote out the exact same thing that they did for the Netherlands case and also in Korea, right, for developers in certain cases, and Japan in certain cases, Um, and here we are. I think some companies, like Epic Games, was at least publicly suggesting that this ruling meant that they'd be able to do whatever they wanted and just put a link from within Fortnite to their own website and let you buy whatever you want with Apple having none of it. That may eventually turn out that way, but it's definitely not going to happen right away. Apple is not giving an inch, right? So this is their policy now for anything that involves an external link. And we're going to have to go back to the courts to find out whether it's allowed or not. <laughs> like the, the 2021 <laughs> ruling by the judge explicitly did not make any judgment on any of Apple's policies around commission or anything else. It was literally just like the app must put a, be allowed to put a link in. And so now you can with all these asterisks attached. Now they'll have to go back to the court. At Epic Games says it's going to contest it. You know, other companies will join on as well. Uh whether that's in, you know, whether what Apple's doing now is allowed or not. Uh, whether they're going to have to share, you know, reduce their commission percentage, whether they're allowed to take a commission at all, whether they're allowed to put up scary warning dialogues, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I would say Google does exactly the same thing, by the way. They now have external link obligations and they also take 12 or, i think i think they take only 26 percent rather than 27 so knock yourself out yeah um and what's coming up very very shortly is the digital Markets Act implementation which is the european policy that goes into effect on i believe the 7th of march so you know a little over a month and that requires side loading and you know alternative app stores and Spotify had this website out this week which was like, now that the DMA is here we'll be able to offer in-app purchase using our own tools, giving Apple none of the money, we'll be able to make everything 30% cheaper, life's going to be great.
0: Well Eh. I don't know about
1: that, I think they're going to have a reality check just like Epic Games did Uh, I'm pretty sure Apple's going to do the least possible that complies with the law, of the words of the law,
0: Um, and then they'll all go back to court again to fight it out on the Epic Games thing, the judge in the case, I think, did say that Apple has a right to charge commission, even if in the absence of in-app purchases. So that seems to bode well in Apple's favor. Or at least didn't rule that they can't. Yeah. She kind of, the judge kind
1: it, of, in my interpretation, just was like, I'll give you the minimum possible, right? And then we'll just let yeah. somebody else deal with it <laughs> kind of situation. <laughs> so that, I mean, that the 2021 um, trial is where Tim Cook did that quote, which was like, well, if we didn't offer in-app purchase, we'd have to find other ways to collect our commission. It just feels like a system that doesn't need to exist, right? That's where that quote comes from. And the judge didn't strike it down. So here we are, fast forward. Now here's the new system that sh- Tim Cook doesn't think should exist, but is the alternative to paying
0: out of in-app purchase. It's we audit you and you pay 27%. That 2021 Epic Games versus Apple, like the actual trial of it, like it spanned like th- two, three, four weeks or something. Mm-hmm probably one of my least favorite moments covering Apple for a living. It was just every single day there was back and forth and drama and Apple and Epic both like reaching out to us to provide us details and background and information. And then you get to the end of the case where the judge hands down the decision and both companies come at you and call it a resounding victory. Then both companies also say, but we're appealing this and nothing changes and now it's two years, two and a half, three years later. And nothing's really changed. Apple's barely complying. Epic Games, Tim Sweeney is still very, very mad. And here we are. in who knows? And it's not done yet. There'll be an Epic said it's contesting this and blah, blah, blah. Tim Sweeney is not happy. Yeah. And Wall Street Journal had a report
1: saying that Apple was preparing its policy changes for the, to conform to the Digital Markets Act. And it would likely include taking fees from apps downloaded outside of the App Store, i.e. downloaded. And there might even be like an app review process for apps not in the App Store. So the circus (laughs) is ongoing.
0: All right. On that happy note, I think that does it for this week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating and a review and find an ad-free version of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year. Send us feedback, happyhour at 9to5mac.com. I am on threads at Chance H. Miller. And Mayo, what about you? At BZA Mayo, threads, Twitter. All right. Thanks, Mayo. Bye-bye.